When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The words that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Why don't people believe in Jesus? Why don't people believe in Jesus? Is that a question that you have often asked? Maybe when you've tried to have a gospel conversation with a colleague, but all you get is a cold response. Or, or maybe you try to get a friend to come along to church, but they keep ignoring your texts and calls. Uh, maybe there's a family member you've tried to witness to for so long, and yet there's still no change. For those in Pathfinders and Spectrum, you might have tried to invite someone to the youth group, but they're just not interested. Why don't people believe in Jesus? Uh, well, I think this passage helps to answer that question. Now, we're at a, a final part of the series that we've been going through this term. Uh, we started back in chapter 8, and we're now finishing on chapter 12. And this passage marks a significant milestone in the gospel. It's kind of the halfway point. Uh, the Passover festival is at hand, but perhaps most significantly here is that this is the end of Jesus' public ministry. Uh, we get the air of that sort of finality. Look down at verse 36. 
When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. You see, things are coming to an end. And by way of conclusion, John gives an insight into the unbelief of the crowds who have followed Jesus. And then Jesus gives one final appeal to believe in him. And we're going to look at both of those things. Now, this section is perhaps a little more somber than what we've seen before and what has come before. Uh, But there is still good and important things for us to consider. So here's the first heading for us. And that is the nature of unbelief in Jesus. The nature of unbelief in Jesus. And there are four things that we can take from this part. Here's the first. Signs don't guarantee belief. Signs don't guarantee belief. Look at verse 37. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Uh, You might have had a conversation with a colleague or a, a friend from school, and they say, if God did a miracle, then I would believe. If God did a miracle, then I would believe. But this passage shows us that that's not necessarily true. Just look again, verse 37. Though Jesus had done so many signs before them, not just one, not a few, not many, but so many signs, they still did not believe in him. Uh, We will likely know the saying, missing the wood for the trees. Uh, The crowd who witnessed Jesus' miracles did that. The evidence was right there but they did not believe in him. So if you ever get into that conversation again with your friend, take them here. Help them see that signs don't guarantee belief. But if people don't believe in Jesus, has God's plan somehow failed? Is this unbelief something God just didn't account for, he didn't see? Well, no, not at all. God knew people wouldn't believe. And here's the second point. Scripture promises unbelief. Scripture promises unbelief. Let's read again from verse 37. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Uh, Now, some of us will remember this fellow. He's going to come up on the screen. This is Paul the Octopus. Uh, He was made famous, if you don't know who it was. um, uh, He was made famous for predicting two of the major football uh, tournaments in 2008 and 2010. Seems kind of fitting with the World Cup in a, a week's time. Now, apparently, he got most of his predictions right, Um, But there was quite a bit of controversy with him, and that's not too surprising, is it, with a so-called mystic predicting octopus? (laughs) But you see, there is nothing controversial when God makes predictions. In fact, I don't really like to call them that, because it suggests kind of guesswork. It's better to say that God makes certain promises. 
Whether it's in the Old or the New Testament, his promises in the Scriptures always come true. And we see it here in this passage. Unbelief in Jesus was a fulfillment of the promise made by God through his prophet Isaiah. Uh, verse 38 quotes Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Uh, let's read verse 38. It says this, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, Isaiah, he ministered hundreds of years before Christ's incarnation. Back then, Israel was divided and the people rebelled against God. And chapter 53, it details the response to the servant of the Lord. And Isaiah's question shows that although the servant of the Lord was exalted by God, he was rejected by the people. Now, this servant of the Lord, he might initially point to someone in Isaiah's time. Uh, there are Old Testament figures who partially fulfill the scriptures. It may even have been Isaiah himself, because he was certainly rejected by Israel. But the supreme servant of the Lord is Jesus. That is where this prophecy finds its true fulfillment. Uh, the phrases, what we heard from us, and the arm of the Lord, in verse 38, they speak of the word and work of Jesus. And the people rejected both, fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. And a rejection of Jesus' ministry was a rejection of him as God's Messiah, as God's chosen, God's anointed rescuing king. So unbelief doesn't mean God's plan fails. He knows this would happen. He knew this would happen. It was his words spoken by his prophet fulfilled in his son. In fact, God has an active role in unbelief, which takes us to the third point. God judges unbelief. God judges unbelief. Let's look at verse 39 and 40. Therefore, they could not believe, for again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Now, John quotes Isaiah again. At this time, it's from chapter 6, verse 10. Uh, this is Isaiah's heavenly vision, where he saw the glory of of the Lord and was commissioned by God to bring the word to the people. But this was a very hard message. Isaiah 6 verse 9 says this, Go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. You see, this was a message that encouraged people to continue in their unbelief. Now, I can't imagine any church leader wanting this ministry to proclaim a message you knew no one uh, you knew would be rejected. But you see, Isaiah, he was bringing a message of judgment, pronouncing justice on Israel's rebellion. But God didn't punish by destruction, but through the continuation of their unbelief. He hands them over to the choices they make. 
He does this by blinding their eyes and hardening their hearts. It's as though he puts a sort of spiritual blindfold over them. And you see, John uses this quote to show that the same was true of those who witnessed Jesus' ministry. Uh, Now, when I was um, growing up, autumn was a time to play conkers. Um, I don't know if they still do it. It Is it banned by health and safety? Maybe you have to wear goggles, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, uh, there were always used to be sort of tips, and again, this might be a bit of a myth, I'm not sure. Um, but there were tips, weren't there, uh, to help harden them. You know, conquerors, they have a hard shell, but you can harden them, so they say, uh, whether it's sort of dipping them in vinegar, baking them, or using something like varnish, nail varnish. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> Now, this is a good way, perhaps, to think about the human heart. And I don't mean the sort of organ that pumps blood around the body. The heart is the center of ourselves. And from where our deepest, perhaps darkest, desires come. Now, like a conqueror, the the heart is naturally hard. But it's hard towards God. And so God hands people over further, hardening the heart. He hands people over by further hardening the heart. And it is as if he has coated the spiritual vinegar or varnish. Uh, He has coated the heart in a spiritual vinegar or varnish, creating this barrier that stops the word of God getting through. So whether it was the ministry of Isaiah or the ministry of Jesus, people did not believe because God hardens their hearts. He calls them to continue in their unbelief. And the same is true today. Now, I want to be clear that although God hardens the heart, it is always in response to people's rejection of Jesus. God never judges without good reason. His actions are just. See, he hands us over to the choices we make and judges our rejection with ongoing blindness. So we must never take away human responsibility. And I think it's very easy in our sort of entitlement-driven culture to think people don't deserve this, that we don't deserve this. But if we don't want to turn to God, he has every right to hand us over to that choice. He's giving us what we ask for. So the simplest answer to why people don't believe in Jesus is because they don't want to. It's their choice. Now, of course, God hasn't hardened everyone's hearts. Everyone trusting in Jesus has had their hearts softened by him. And that is good news. And so we should ask that God would show mercy to others just as he has shown it to us. Let's pray that God would soften hearts. Now, this does also raise the question why God chooses us and not others, and there's not a lot of time to go into that. But just as a very brief answer, the very brief answer is that it is but for the grace of God. It is not of our own merit, our own doing, 
It is God's choice. And it ultimately is for his glory. Now, the last point in this section is this. John says, beware superficial belief. Beware of superficial belief. Let's read from verse 41. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. And so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than that glory that comes from God. Now, I'm quite fascinated with sort of pop culture and the sort of politics around that. And, um, uh, you know, places, things like Hollywood um, and some of the companies like Disney or Warner Brothers, that kind of thing. It's, some of the politics is quite interesting. Uh, and listen, if you listen to some podcasts or some uh, videos, maybe on YouTube, you do hear some interesting stories. Uh, there are tales of unnamed actors in Hollywood who have been very cautious about disclosing their political views. Uh, Tinseltown is a very deep shade of one specific colour on the political spectrum. But not every actor will be of that persuasion. But they keep their politics quiet for fear of being blocked from certain roles, perhaps shunned and shut out completely. Now, there were some amongst the Jewish authorities who acted in a similar way. They believed, but were quiet out of fear of the Pharisees and expulsion from the synagogue. And like those actors, they didn't want to be shunned or shut out. And so we must be aware of superficial, shallow belief. It's it's challenging to think about our public confession of faith. That is telling people about Jesus or, 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 or telling people about our faith in Jesus, showing it, being a witness. So for those of us in Pathfinders or Spectrum, do you fear publicly confessing your faith, showing and telling people that you believe in Jesus to your class or clubmates? For those who work, do you fear publicly confessing your faith to your colleagues? For those retired, do you fear publicly confessing your faith to your grown-up children or neighbours? Are we fearful of being shunned and shut out by them? But you see, there's a deeper reason to this superficial belief with these Jewish authorities. And John tells us that in verse 43. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. I guess man's glory here, we could understand it as human praise and honor. A compliment, sort of popularity, being thought well of, being loved by your fellow citizens, sort of being in their good books. It might come with that sort of chummy, backslamming, slapping, high-fiving sort of mentality, I don't know. But that is where the heart was. Human glory, human honor and praise. But such things are superficial to the glory that comes from God. And John makes that dynamic contrast here in these verses. Again, verse 43 tells us, Jesus saw 
uh, sorry, Isaiah saw Jesus before the incarnation, before Jesus came for the first time. He saw his glory, the majesty and splendor of the Son of God. And that glory came into the world, displaying his deity for all to see. And yet, sadly, these leaders, so weak was their faith that they chose human glory over Jesus. So let me ask you this. What do you love most? What do you love most? Human glory or Jesus? The glory that comes from God. Now, I think it's so important that we understand this nature of unbelief. Because it is easy for us to get disheartened when speaking to our our friends and family, when we want to go out and do evangelism, when we want to be a witness. And although these truths aren't exactly comforting, they're hard truths, they do provide the answer to why people reject Jesus. And that's good because it prepares us. It helps us. We can expect these things to happen. Of course, rejecting Jesus, that is serious because he is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to God. And this takes us to our second heading, which is a final appeal to believe in Jesus. Now, this appeal appeal is like an encore at the end of a show. Jesus re-emerges on the public stage to make one final exaltation, one final cry to the people. But of course, this is not just for the crowd listening. It is also for us reading. So let's look at verse 44 and 45. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. You see, so intimate is the relationship between the Father and the Son that when we believe in Jesus, we believe also in his Father. That is Jesus' promise to us here. And this is good news. This is good news for all who believe in Jesus. See, Jesus, he is the access point to and the, the visible manifestation of the Father. And so in Jesus, we not only know God, but we see him too. And Jesus can say this because he is the light. Verse 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And this is taking us back to the beginning of our series from John 8, where Jesus at the start, he proclaimed, I am the light of the world. And like a light perhaps illuminating a room, a candle illuminating a room, or a lighthouse uncovering the rocky coastline, Jesus shines into our hearts and minds, revealing God to us. We know him and we see him. But you see, this appeal also addresses those who don't believe. 
Verse 47. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. See, when Jesus first came into the world, he came not as a judge, but as a saviour. To die on a cross for the sins of the world. And on this Remembrance Sunday, we remember his sacrifice. We remember his sacrifice. He came as a saviour. And we are living in the wake of that event. And so now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. You see, in his mercy, God has withheld his final judgment so that people might believe in his son. They might believe and be saved. But the one who continues to reject Jesus will be judged on the last day. Not by him, but by the words he has spoken. Verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Think of it a little bit this way. Imagine you get a new smoke alarm to put in the house. You take it home, get it out of the box, you fill it on the ceiling, you test it, and all seems good. But if you ignore the instructions that tell you to change the batteries every six months, then it might have serious fiery consequences for you further down the line. The instructions will judge you for ignoring them. And in a similar way, if we ignore Jesus in this life, then his words will judge us in the life to come. Now this is especially important for those here today who would say that they are not trusting in Jesus. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. God has withheld his final judgment. Believe in him. For when he comes again, it will be too late. Now Jesus can say these things because he has authority. The highest authority. The one that comes from God the Father. So we need to heed his words. Heed his appeal. And you see, Jesus, he knew that God's word, God's command, it would lead to eternal life. That is why Jesus says these things, as hard as they might be. He knows that in trusting in him, it leads to eternal life. So heed his appeal. Heed the words of Jesus and believe in him. Let's pray together.
Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Our Father, we thank you very much for the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for his death upon the cross. His great sacrifice that we remember today. And every day. And we thank you, Lord, for that when we put our trust in you, not only do we see your son, but we see you. We know you through him. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to have a strong faith, loving you. And we pray too, Lord, that we ask for those that we love who do not know you, that you may soften their hearts, that they might heed that appeal from Jesus and trust in him. For your glory's sake. Amen.